Open Esther's podcast. How will you write Act 3 of your life? Will you be open? Will you welcome the possibilities? Are you going toward your most vibrant, authentic stage of life? Are you curious to discover what's ahead? Are you in a fork in the road and wondering which path to follow? Would you like to hear from others who are already writing Act 3? Hey everyone, I'm Tessa. And I'm Amir. Why be an empty nester when you can be an open nester, living on the edge of your curiosity, on the fringe of your imagination, reinvention, and sexuality? Together, we'll take a journey and explore how rich this stage of life can be when we approach it with an open mind and an open heart. So, tonight we have a couple of interviews that Tessa did separately, and they're very interesting. I truly enjoyed understanding the dating life post-divorce from those two wise, separate individuals. And by the way, they are not related, nor do they know each other. But Tessa knows them both, and she interviewed them both. And since relationships are essential to our well-being and open nesting, of course, I think it is important to release these discussion with these two divorcees early in our podcast career for the many open nesters who are perhaps in that same process of post-divorce. Ava Diamond is a friend of mine, and we had a really good time reconnecting because years ago we were educators together and developed a curriculum around girl talk. And I'm still doing things for women nowadays around their sensuality and sexuality. And Ava's a certified therapist that's been coaching and developing mental fitness for people in midlife for years. And she was divorced, and she later discusses her really wild and wonderful business for midlife women. Dan, who's using a pseudonym, is someone Amir and I met a few years ago at a sexy dancing party. And he was fresh out of a divorce with kids who were about to go off to college And I connected with him again online for this interview, which opens the door to some pretty articulate evolution of himself and his needs. So first, let's hear from Ava. When I was in my late 30s, I had an experience where all of a sudden, it was like a light bulb was shining bright on this dark part of my life. And I said, wait a minute, look at what's in there. Almost nothing. It was, you know, love and care for my beautiful children, but my half of my identity was, was dormant. And so it was at that point where for me, I didn't wait till I was, you know, till my kids were out of the house. That was the point where I said, I need to do something here or I will regret the next decade of my life. And so I hopped out of that marriage, which was, you know, it's always an ordeal when you have children and getting divorced, especially. I began that exploration that we're talking about. And then when my children left, you know, when they were off to college, my kids are all in their twenties now, but when they went off to school and I didn't have their daily, you know, lives to also help them manage, it was another time when I had an opportunity to reflect on who am I, what do I need? Where am I gonna put my energy now that it's not needed to drive people places and you know, cook meals or whatever. And I have to say, it's been the best part of my life, you know, and, and that doesn't mean I didn't love being a mom. 
I'd probably at that point been divorced nine months, perhaps, uh, which meant I was still in the process of processing, of course, everything that happens when you come untangled. I'd been married for almost 25 years. And I think part of, part of that for me was tips for people who want to stay married, communicate, communicate, and then communicate some more. Um, and I think in thinking about open communication and how beneficial that would have been and what it would have been about, I think, you know, you, it's maybe not uncommon for couples who've been married for a long time to run into the fact that maybe you were in a bit of a rut relationship-wise or sexually, maybe, and you, you may well have thought that there were things you just couldn't bring up with your spouse, yet they ended up being really important. And that certainly was the case for me. What I was sort of going through at that point when we met uh, with Amir was sort of exploring some of those, being able to talk about some of those other topics, uh, other ideas, other ideas about how relationships and couples could work. And that's, that's sort of where I was when we met. Ava and Dave have very different and unique perspectives on dating in this post-divorce stage. I'm learning to be more vulnerable. To me, that's where the emptiness comes, you know, where I allow myself to be. And what I mean by that is, oh, no, I'm, I don't mean I'm, I'm not a needy person. I don't ever want to be a needy person. I'm just not who I am. And needy, I don't mean that in a judgmental way, but I, to me, being vulnerable doesn't mean that I have to have an emotion that somebody takes care of. To me, being vulnerable means that I let someone so deeply in my heart so that I can love them so fully and I'm not afraid of getting hurt by that then miss out and then love half-assedly and and feel like I protected myself from being hurt so I've always found that I get to see the greatness in others it's what makes me very very effective as a, a therapist slash coach one of the things that I notice especially in the dating world is that women, men too, but women in particular seem to carry a lot of baggage into being single. And, and my whole thing in life has been to reduce my baggage to a carry-on size. And in fact, at this point in my life, I can honestly say that my baggage is basically a fanny pack size. I'm like, Man, I'm dating. I could even say that. Just said to me yesterday, you know, I saw this person in the gym and they were working out and they just like, they were making a lot of noise and they kept looking in the mirror. And, and I kept thinking, that guy is so full of himself. And it dawned on me, we're all just a container with a limited about, amount of capacity. And if we're so filled up with just ourselves, there's no room for anything else. Like our capacity is just limited by the container we are, right? We can't, so if we fill ourselves up with ourselves and our self-care and our self-focus and our self, you know, righteousness, whatever it is, there's no room for others. There's no room for that. I've, I've learned or developed skills at, which is just, you know, be real, be authentic. And it doesn't mean you go tell, you know, the next person you bump into in the produce aisle at Stop and Shop, that, you know, you, this is how you think, this is who you are. But, you know, when you're with people you care about or you're exploring a relationship, you know, sexual or, or not, but especially sexual, you know, be really honest. You know, don't, you don't want to sort of get yourself into a relationship 
on the false pretense of being someone else, you're unlikely to end up, you know, getting where you want to. So how's that going for you now in the, um, in this post-divorce world? <laughs> tell a few of your stories with some of the women that you have dated and how they've unfolded. Yeah, what, I, what I've discovered, and I don't know if I've just been extraordinarily lucky or if this is the way the world is, um, is that, you know, openness is met with openness. And, um, yeah, there are some conversations that have sort of, you know, come to, you know, stopped at the end of a first, a first date or a first uh, glass of wine together. Several of the women I have dated since I've been single are, you know, really very open to the idea. No one's sort of gone there yet, but it's not a discussion that causes problems. And regardless of what you might do, be talking about doing, there's the whole fantasy side of it. Modern man is raised to be, yeah, and I hope is, I hope I am, so respectful of women that, um, you know, your, your first thought is, you know, could, you know, could possibly you know, tie her up and possibly this. Yet there's this primal, you know, turn on factor uh, that goes with that. And I've discovered that you know, women, some women I've dated are completely into that also. And it helps to, uh, I think it just illustrates the point that you know, something you fantasize about, you know, that you might you know, never you know, want in real life can be incredibly erotic, whether it's, you know, and, and if you're doing it with someone you trust so you can step into a role uh, can really be powerful stuff, whether it's, you know, being tied up or, you know, coerced or, you know, you know sex in the crowd at a bar. The more we grow into our authentic selves as open nesters, the more we can be and serve as a role model, especially for our kids. But we need to listen to our gut, especially when it comes to them. Dan has kids who are now making their way in the world, as does Ava. And here are some of the things they learned along the way. My ex did say at one point, you know, our, our daughter Lisa uh, used to want to know, but now she says she just doesn't care. And that was a wake-up call to me. I needed to include them in my life. And I needed to, you know, not introduce them to someone I've you know, dated a couple times, been out dancing with them, had a good time with. But, you know, if there's someone who's serious, I'm spending a lot of time with, you know, mention it. Maybe eventually there'll be an introduction. If there isn't that, if you don't feel comfortable introducing them, that begins to tell you something, probably. That's something else I figured out recently. So one of the things, and this I think ties into the Open Nester's mission, I would imagine, around how do you, how do you launch yourself when you've been so tied into your role in the home life, right? And how do you open your nest, open yourself and venture out into this independent life? Because I, what I've seen happen a lot is that parents actually create the cling more than the kids do because they don't know how to be without them, without that role. That's what I've seen. Other people, you know, they, they have this, this way of communicating with their children that indicates to me that they're not ready to launch. The parents are not ready to launch. The mother, the father, mostly the mother. In my own world, you know, my kids and I have communicated openly about all kinds of things. They have said to me, one of my children said, you know, I really don't want to, I'm not comfortable hearing about your dating life. That, that was, 
Yeah. Good that they could say it, right? Yeah. And I said, okay, cool. And then she turned around and told me all about what she was doing with her boyfriend and what they... (laughs) (laughs) But see, that's where the difference is. And sometimes that's the other thing that happens is that as our children become, you know, adults in their 20s, and we also might be going through a stage where, you know, we are venturing out into a romantic new places, you know, into romantic new places after leaving a marriage or whatever, whatever. It's almost like we're in the same stage of life in that regard, you know, like where everybody's trying to find a person to connect with for partnership at whatever level. But you have to remember that it's still, you know, a generation gap. It's still meant to be a generation gap. You know, they're not meant to be your best friends or your, you know, confidant. Both of these interviews we're listening to really share some great insight for married and partnered couples as well, because they talk about getting in touch with what we want and asking for that is so liberating, which is what really does help us as couples and as human beings go forward into Act 3. But as far as dating goes, Ava and Dan have some dating advice for those out there on the dating scene as well. Got a lot of great things about us. We all all got some baggage. One way I've learned to approach it, having been someone who almost wanted to get it all out there on the first date, here are all the horrible things. Now we'll see if you still like me. That's not really a great approach. So I've sort of developed a theory here, which is, the, the first two dates should be about why you're great and why they're great and how much fun we can have together. And the third date should be about the baggage. You know, so the first, two, the first two could be you know, why we're good. And the third one might be why you should run the other way. Just you want to get that out. Why, whatever your baggage is, you know, probably before you put that on the table, you'd like someone to know you a bit, have some context and have developed some warm and fuzzies for you. And then you can say, you know, this came up. So, um, or this happened or whatever, whatever your story is. So I would say sort of a one, two, then three. I'd also say the reason for getting to some of the baggage out there, maybe it doesn't all have to come out. Everyone deserves some privacy. There's some things that are just yours and no one else knows. But you know, what you are going to say, yeah, get it out there you know, sooner, you know, not in the ninth inning of the game, because you don't want, you wouldn't want to get way down the road to someone and then discover something about them, which for you is a complete non-starter. I have mindset strategies, I have movement strategies, I have restoration strategies and nutrition strategies. And it's all around optimizing brain and body to manage challenges in life. Okay, so the things that would be most applicable here to how do we engage in a new part of life, let's say with in relationship, in romance, right? Are the mindset and the restoration strategies. So what do I mean by that? So for me, first of all, my most powerful resource happens to be that my mindset is attached to my spirituality. So my mindset is attached to my trust in the universe, my trust in the process of what's happening. And that in fact, my trust in myself that I can handle hard things. My history and most of our histories, I bet every single person listening and Tessa, you as well, can think about how you have had to handle hard things and get through them just fine, right? And so we tend to forget that when we live with fear, but when we stay attached to, you know, our own 
core powers, our own abilities to manage hard things, mindset, you know, as, as a strength bringer, we limit, we reduce the, the anxiety about stepping out. You know, so when, when we remember we've done that. My spirituality and trust in myself, my trust in the process, my trust in the universe has allowed me not to get too bogged down with worry, not to get too bogged down with shame or guilt or resentment. And those are the things that really create the baggage, shame, guilt, and resentment. Anybody that's ever been in my heart, I hold in my heart. You know, even if they've potentially wronged me in some way and whatever in relationship, I don't hold on to, to resentment. Here is what Dane and Eva are looking forward to that we can all learn from when we are looking beyond our fears. I've had the capacity to love so deeply and fully. And in the past, of course, that's left me brokenhearted in times because not everybody can, every relationship kind of has its time and space in your life is my feeling. And, you know, Maybe it's meant to be your entire life and maybe it's meant to be in pockets of your life to allow you to, to feel and experience and grow and learn with someone else about yourself and the world around you. So then, you know, I, I know that I did, I was cautious with love for a little while after a large breakup and, and now I'm not cautious anymore. And, and it's not even that I have that one person to to love so deeply, but I know I'm ready for that one person. I am fully ready and fully clear that I'm ready. But yeah, the kids are now sort of beyond the, 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 the child uh, raising agreements and out, in, the, out well, in college, not fully out in the world. You know, for me, after this last relationship just recently ended, it really does feel like it's just a fresh breath of air. And I guess the idea that one's finding oneself is sort of cliche, but you know what, it's actually a worthy, it's a worthy endeavor. And I feel as if I've made some huge leaps down that road there. And I've also been able to find some of the places I want to be the next stop on the road for myself. Yeah, and that is, you know, things I've been talking about for a long time. Just do it. Yeah, you know, I... I love languages. I've been wanting to learn Spanish essentially forever. Let's just do it. Let's just get back to playing guitar. And you know what? Let's not, for me, and this is just my answer, but um, or an answer that's authentic to me. Yeah, I need to spend more time talking with me. <laughs> and whether that's uh, figuring out this recipe, I love to cook, figuring out this recipe, or coming up with a new cocktail for a party, or whether it's just going for a long hike in the woods by myself. Ava also discussed her new business, which is a new product that they're launching through iWebsite, I'll give you. And it has a mission to shift the paradigm for women, taking up the mantle of promoting vaginal intelligence, which is really important. And it was really an interesting interview. The website business, the launch, she launched it in January with a lot of partners, and you can find it in our show notes or go to myfriendviolet.com, as she likes to call it, your source of vaginal intelligence. Here's Ava on her new business. In 2021, are going to be able to talk about vagina over, you know, coffee and not blush anymore. We're not going to be shrinking violets anymore. This is the most magnificent part of our body that serves so many purposes. And it's been so far treated as like with medicinal products as, you know, when there's something wrong for sure. And then 
over the last couple of decades, there's been an emergence of products and services to beautify and make it smell better. And, and yet still the message is it's not good enough. So what we're about to do in 2021 is say, hey, you know what? You can take care of your vagina and make sure that it's, it's something where you feel confident about your body and it's performing the way you want to. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that we've learned that there's things we can do to protect and preserve the integrity of that vaginal wall. Those were great interviews, Tessa. You were able to extract wonderful, meaningful, and valuable information from two very smart individuals that are really dating in Act 3. On and off over the past couple of years, I went in and out of the dating sites looking for a meaningful connection beyond my wonderful beautiful marriage and relationship with you, Tessa. That'll be a great conversation for another episode. <laughs> right. And I can relate to some of those dating advice in addition to that we all have to have something to look forward to and looking ahead. Those are meaningful inf uh, interviews and I really like them. And there's a lot of takeaways from them for any dating individual in Act 3 or in general, no matter what age they are. And, you know, you have uh, introduced me to this book about aging, didn't you? Absolutely. And it's so interesting to be reading a book about this manifesto against ageism, which is incredible, called This Chair Rocks by Ashton Applewhite. And I want to talk about dating for a second, too. I'm going to jump back because we have, I have friends really in the dating scene now. You do. And many of them are, re, are, are lowering their age because it's what we naturally need to kind of feel like we have to do in this youth-oriented society in order to sh advertise ourselves the best way we can. It's not, it's not authentic to, to say that becoming older is wonderful. Becoming older is sexier because we're wiser. We don't have as narrow of a focus and maybe, we have a broader and and much much richer way to see life, which is really what's so interesting about the book that I was reading. And she talks a lot about how as olders, we function at a higher, broader level of wisdom. So even if we're not as detail-oriented, there's so much to embrace in that. And I used to love to say things like, playfulness equals agelessness, so we shouldn't care about our age. And so whether you're dating or not, or whatever ages you are, Yet this book talks about we should be ageful, so agefulness, like embracing it in a way that getting away from the huge amount of ageism in this society. So what I want to do on this podcast is really help the crusade to dismantle ageism. It's so deeply steeped in our Western culture instead of the reverence that Eastern culture has. We need to continue to grow and look forward to our older, beautiful lives. So true. And there is a saying that says, the youth is wasted on the young. And you can take from that whatever you want. We always say to ourselves, if I knew then what I know today. So wisdom is certainly comes with aging. So on this journey that we're on together, all of us open nesters that are becoming mm -hmm. older, yeah. because everyone becomes older. So ageism is much worse than, than a lot of other things because it actually includes all of us. And we... We actually put ourselves down when we buy into this culture of only youth being good and beautiful. Right. So be on this journey with us at an Open Nesters. Join us on our website. Come to our Facebook page. Actually, our 
private discussion page is a great place for you to have a discussion with us about this topic. We'd love to hear from you. Just going to the Open Nesters, which we're on all social media platforms, and you could find us through our website as well. Of course, our website is theopennesters.com. That's theopennesters, double N in the middle, S at the end, nesters.com. And we'd love to hear from you. Please go to our website. Drop us a note. Let us know if you have a story to tell or you know of somebody that has a story to tell that would be of value to our audience. We'd love to hear from you. Leave us a comment on our website. Till then, I'm Amir. And I'm Tessa. We'll see you on the radio. Ciao.